Yes, people, and welcome to episode 12 of the Trading Lever podcast. I'm your host, Steve Boxman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dave, from Boxing's First. Dave, are you, mate? Hopefully better than I was yesterday. Yeah, we're recording this a day later. It probably won't make too much difference on the release time. We'll get it out ASAP, but obviously <laughs> you weren't feeling too great yesterday for obvious reasons after the England game. But yeah, uh, decent weekend of boxing. Not a great deal to look forward to this weekend, but plenty still to talk about. So good show ahead, definitely. Yeah, we'll start by talking about this weekend's action with Gilberto Ramirez. Uh, he scored a fourth round stoppage against Sullivan Barrera, knocking him down multiple times with body shots. Dave, now last week we said that Ramirez wasn't the most exciting boxer in the world and that we need to see him in with better opponents. But was you impressed with what you saw from him this weekend? Yeah, he, he far out outdid, outshone what I thought he was going to do. We obviously had this fight under the predictions and this was one of my surefire points points victories we thought Ramirez would get the victory just based on Sullivan Barrera's not the young pup anymore and he's been inactive for a while and it did start that way really I thought both men were quite tentative up until that third round and it seemed Ramirez just wanted to test Barrera a bit more and he started pushing that aggression Barrera was happy to go with him but then when he sunk him at the end of that third round with that body shot it's a lovely shot right underneath that elbow you can't really blame Barrera for going down it was a killer you hear it back they release footage of that shot where you can hear the audio and the impact of that shot was beautiful dropped him and it sort of writing was on the cards and he, he it, Barrera just didn't look like he wanted to exchange he didn't want no part of Ramirez after that so really impressed with Ramirez and hopefully he can bounce off this now and start getting the fights and, and, and getting in there with the people that he should be in there with at this stage of his career yeah, I agree, Dave. Just for me, Ramirez is just one of those guys. He's, he's not a bad fighter by any stretch of the imagination, but as we spoke about last week, Dave, his resume does nothing for him. He needs better opponents. And was Sullivan Barrera that? No, but I did expect him, like you did, to be a little bit more of a test. But, yeah, he looked shot to pieces. After that body shot, like you said, you can't really blame him, but it took all the fight out of him. And... Uh, after, like, two stoppages in four years, Dave, he's moved up to £175, and he's being made to look a bit of a killer with three stoppages. <laughs> but, as we know, he's been matched well. Um, but is he a threat to the likes of Bivol? Is he a threat to, to Bertabiev? We, we discussed this last week, Dave, but Bivol against Ramirez, we know, is a possible fight, and both certainly need better quality opponents. But in your opinion, is, is Ramirez beating Dimitri Bivol? If you look back at Bivol's last outing, he was hardly impressive against Spider Richards, was he? That was a really low-key performance from Bivol. So going off that, you'd think Ramirez was in with a chance, but I think both men on the best nights, it's Bivol's no problem. But it, it just depends, was Bivol just fighting to the to the level of his opponent last time out? And, and, and we know he's got that game. He's a much better fighter then he's sure against Richards. But when you've been inactive for that long, is there a sign that he maybe he's losing the love for the game and he's not as, as focused? I don't know. But he certainly can't afford to perform like that against Ramirez and expect to walk away with the win. Because Ramirez looks like he's on the up. Like you say, he looked better than he looked in a long time. He's at 175 now. He seems to be more comfortable. As you just mentioned, he's being made to look like a killer, which we know he's not. We know he's not a killer. But he's, you know, he put Sullivan Barrera away quicker than Bivol did. So maybe he's just a bit more effective up there. And if Bivol thinks he's going to go in there and have this a walkthrough fight, he's far from, from right because Ramirez showed in his last outing. 
he's not your typical Mexi- Mexican all-aggressive fighter. He likes to work off that jab, but he, he can definitely do the job if Bivol's not focused and he's not 100% on his game on the night. Yeah, and it looks like it should be an easy one to make both of them fight on the zone, as we know at the moment, but you've got to question a light heavyweight division at the moment. It looks like it's on hold as they wait for that Canelo payday. So we don't really know what's going on. We've been calling for Bertabier and Bibble for a long time. And now we're seeing Bertabier and Smith Jr. even falling through. They're talking about him taking two different fights, one including a fight with uh, Danny Jacobs, which is obviously a big fight in New York. But uh, as for this fight, and like you said, I don't see it as an easy fight for Bibble, but I also def- well, definitely don't see it as an easy fight for Ramirez either. And I think I do think Bivol would be at his best in a fight like this. So I, I really think he would step it up in a fight against Ramirez. I don't think he would take it lightly. Um, Ramirez would have to use his height advantage in it, but I just think the sharpness, the timing, the accuracy of Bivol at his best, it would see him to victory. And I, I think points victory would be the way to go about it. As with respect, like we said about um, Ramirez at £175, Bivol isn't Sullivan Barrera. He isn't Tommy Carpenter. He's a completely different kettle of fish. And I think he would step it up. But it would be interesting to see uh, because we haven't seen Ramirez in that level of fight. We've seen him against a few good fighters um, at £168. We haven't seen him in a level of fight against the likes of Bivol. So it'll be interesting to see how he steps up as well because I do think that Bivol will be on, on top form in that fight. But Let's see if that one gets made, Dave. Um, the co-main of that fight was Jojo Diaz against Javier Fortuna. Uh, Fortuna. They were fighting for the right to challenge Devin Haney for the WBC title. Dave, you picked Fortuna to win this, and it was a close fight. Uh, but did Jojo Diaz surprise you with his performance? He did surprise me. Coming up from 130, I think the main key that I put in in the prediction league in the last round was that Diaz... He might be out of depth at 135. I thought he couldn't make 130 due to lack of discipline. He hadn't been at 130 that long. So then suddenly not to be able to make the weight of a division you've not long moved up to. It's quite surprising. He never looked great on the scales in his last outing at 130. So I thought, is it laziness? Is it mistiming? Is it lack of discipline? But he looked much better at 135. I thought he looked bigger. He looked stronger. He looked more healthy. So maybe he did have a genuine problem making 130 and I was just giving him an hard time for something that he, he didn't have much control over. But he certainly surprised me. Fortuna, he, he, he isn't Tiafimo Lopez, he isn't Lomachenko, but he's a tough, solid 135 fighter who was on the cusp of fighting for that WBC title. So he's not a mug, he's not a pushover. And Diaz, he went in there, he absolutely showed no signs of fear, no signs of backing off from the naturally bigger Fortuna. He went in there and he attacked him, which was surprising to see. I never thought that. I thought Diaz would have been the mover, but he wasn't. He was happy to sit in the pocket. He was happy to plant his feet. He was happy to have a go at Fortuna, which really did surprise me. I'm, I'm excited now for Diaz. I think if he can work off this win, if he can keep disciplined, and I've just said maybe he's not ill-disciplined, but if he can focus on his game and what he did to Fortuna, he can carry on up the ranks. He he might have a chance against people like Haney. So, yeah, he very, very much surprised me. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to discuss that Haney fight in a moment, Dave. But I think I do think Diaz, I do think he's an underrated fighter. I really do. I know, I know he let himself down and we've discussed that as well. Uh, but he's in a tough division now. We know that. But those two wins over Tevin Farmer and now Javier Fortuna, they are no choke, Dave. They're two really strong wins. And and there's not many fighters who have got two strong wins like that. But 
that's the thing. He's got a decent chin. Um, he can mix it up. We've seen, we've seen in that fight, there were some good exchanges on the inside in that fight. Um, he said he's been sparring bigger guys, 160, he says. Um, and it, it showed him this fight, to be honest. He looked strong. Um, and I must admit, he did really look strong, like I said. But it won't, it won't be an easy fight for anyone, Dave. It's, like I said, it's a tough division, 135 pounds. Uh, we're hoping that all of the guys will start fighting each other. But Diaz won't be an easy fight. He'll make it tough for them. Um, I, I will, I'll find it hard to make him favourite against the likes of Haney, against the likes of Lomachenko, Tiafimo Lopez and so on. But he's not going to be an easy fight for them. And obviously next up, we, we've just spoken about it, Dave. It could be Devin Haney. Um, he's been calling out Devin Haney and, and Ryan Garcia since he's won the fight. Devin Haney seems like a realistic option. They've, they've both kind of agreed to a date over Twitter, but obviously we don't know how far that's going to go. But we're looking at November. Um, obviously, Diaz had another eye injury, so he's going to need to let that heal. But that'll be a good fight. And he, he's, like I said, he's called out Ryan Garcia. Um, honestly, I don't think that's an easy one to, to call. Um, before this fight, I might, have said, I might have said Garcia easily, but... I definitely think that Diaz has got a real good shot against someone like Ryan Garcia. Um, but, yeah, let, let's see if it's going to be Haney or Garcia. But, Dave, after that, I know you just briefly mentioned it, but how much chance do you see Diaz having against a, a Devin Haney if he was to fight him next? I'd give him a shot. I'd certainly give him a, a fair chance. As you mentioned there, Steve, he's not going to go in there and uh, odds on to take that fight, not by any stretch. It'd be his second fight at 135. The questions I needed answering against Fortuna were both answered. Number one, can his power carry to 135? Can he can he get the respect of his opponent? And I felt he did more than that. He hurt Fortuna. He had Fortuna wobble more than once. He was looking to hold on a lot, Fortuna. That's not necessarily his game. And could he take a shot? And, and he proved he could that as well. He dealt with the adversity. The cut eye was in a bad spot. It looked the same, not as big as uh, the farmer fight, but it was the same sort of area. It could have affected him much worse than he did, but he dealt with it. He still carried on being aggressive. So he proved to me that he, if he's going to fight a man like Fortuna on the inside, who has got decent pop, he can take the shots at 135, and that'll stand him well. Will he win against Haney is a really difficult question, isn't it? Because I think Haney's... He's definitely in the top three of that division for me. For Diaz to beat Haney would be a massive, massive statement. I just, I can't see it, but I can't unsee it either. It's definitely a possibility based on on what he just did to Fortuna. I never expected that. So I, I, I'm struggling to say what he can't do now because I never expected him to achieve what he did on Saturday night. So I think it's a great, great fight again. Like uh, Bivol would have to be on his A game against Ramirez, Haney will have to definitely come expecting a fight because he's going to get one off Diaz. Yeah, and I like that fight for both of them, Dave. But I think it makes perfect sense for both of them for that to be next. Obviously, like I said, Diaz has just moved up. He's got a good win under his belt. He's got a chance to win a title at two different weights. Why not go for it? And as for Haney, he needs those names on his resume. And after Diaz has just got a strong win at 135 pounds, He's, he's going to get a lot of credit for a win like that. And and like I said, Diaz is no easy fight for him. It's not going to be a walk in the park for Haney. But I would back Haney to get that on points. Um, but like I said, I really like that fight for the both of them. And I'll, I'll be more than happy to see that fight take place. Uh, as for Fortuna, it, it's going to be a tough one for him. It's a tough loss. Uh, but there's still some good fights for him. It is a strong division. And I like Fortuna against Linares. I, I like that one. I, I, I would like to see that one made. So let, let's see where he goes from here. But Fortuna Linares, uh, that sounds like a good fight. And that can get him back in the mix 
um, and, and start looking towards some of those fights that, that he missed out on before through illness and injury and so on through, through his opponents. But moving on to Saturday night, Dave, um, and the BT Sport card. Now, it wasn't a brilliant card. We won't make out, we won't make out any different, but Lyndon Arthur returned with a late stoppage win on that card. Uh, that should have featured Anthony Yard in a lead-up to their rematch. Dave, we, we spoke about Yard not fighting last week. Um, I thought it looked a bit funny, Harry's... Um, it had disappeared on his box wreck and there was no talk about an opponent. And it was confirmed that he wasn't going to fight. But Arthur did, as we know. Um, but there wasn't much learned from him beating Faraki, in my opinion. Dave, did, did you learn anything about Arthur in that fight? And did it make you change your opinion on an upcoming yards Arthur rematch? No, I didn't learn to. Which we, We've mentioned this before when these fighters, they get these lesser, lower-profile fighters across. We always say it's a lose-lose. It's hard to look good against Faraki, who's come across. I'm into boxing. I don't know a great deal about him. You admitted last week you don't know a great deal about him and you're big into boxing. So you come across with very little knowledge of boxing from boxing fans about yourself. Everybody's going to pick Arthur to walk through him. So the moment Arthur doesn't walk through him, he's only going to attract criticism. And it has attracted a lot of criticism. People are talking, you know, people who had... Uh, Arthur in the top two maybe British light heavyweights of now oh he's never going to win a world title he sort of wrote him off but we mentioned that week after week of how fickle boxing fans can be but he has taken a lot of criticism he performed okay he did you know it was nothing to shout about but as, as I've just gone over we don't know how good Fracky was let's see if he comes back in against a, a Boazzi or a Callum Johnson let's see how good he, goes, he does against them it's hard to gauge Arthur's level of opponent when we know very little about who he is or who he's for. It's crazy. Uh, Faraki came off. He obviously came to have a go, which was good to see. He didn't just come over to fall over and pick his check up. He was an aggressive fighter and, and he popped Arthur at times. I don't believe Lyndon Arthur was ever in any sort of trouble. I don't think that was the case. So Faraki's success was sort of isolated moments within rounds. Now, after Lyndon Arthur beat Yard, he was tagged as this the, the next best, and now he's not done brilliant against Faraki, and, and he's not great at all. I just think he's just one of them fights. As we spoke to our Bivol before with Richards, we all have these fights. So all the professionals will have these fights where they go in, they don't perform as expected. Does Arthur rise to the occasion? Was he good against Yard because he was fighting a, a fellow Brit? And, and the beef was there and, and it was easy to get up for that fight and against a lesser known low profile fighter like Fraki it's harder to get up for so maybe that was a reason he just didn't seem his best but at the end of the day he's just stopped an undefeated fighter whose who's cards are still out we don't know how good he is I don't think it did Lyndon Arthur any any harm but at the same time it never raised his profile nobody's speaking about him who, who didn't speak about him before it was it was a wasn't the best card. It wasn't the most fascinating card. And Arthur just, he was quite laborious and he got the job done. So nothing learned, but nothing lost in my opinion. Yeah, it's kind of one of those no-win situations when you fight a fighter like that, Dave. If he knocks him out in the first round, he's not going to get much credit for it. People just say he's fought an absolute bum of an opponent. If he goes rounds with him and then gets the win, people are going to say, well, why is he going rounds with an opponent like this? <laughs> so kind of in a no-win situation. If he has an absolute war with him, Dave, people will probably start writing him off as well. So, yeah, he's done his job, like you said. He, he's took his time. He's got the job done. He, he was never really in trouble in the fight. So he, he's just got to take the positives out of it. He's back in the ring. 
Um, we would have hoped he was actually fighting anti yard on the night like we just mentioned, uh, like we mentioned last week, Dave. But it is what it is. Uh, he's got the rounds in. Yard still needs to get some rounds in, so uh, he's got the upper edge, uh, the upper edge on that one still. So I know, I know you fear, uh, I know your feelings about the the yard and Arthur rematch. We we touched upon it last week, Dave, and I know you think it's a sound win for for Arthur again, but. Um, one other one other opponent who fights under the same banner um, is Callum Johnson. Um, how would you see that one, Dave? I believe Callum Johnson was and very well could still be the best light heavyweight in in the British Isles because he had everything going for him. He was on a, was on a great run. He's got great power. He, he's aggressive. He's an handful for anybody, not just on the domestic scene. I believe he can compete well on the world scene up to the very top. We're talking Baterbiev's and Bivol's. He can be in there and show himself. The problem was he he just wasn't active enough. So he soon, if you're, you're not active for, what was it, nearly two and a half years, you're soon going to be the forgotten man. Now, I don't think he's tactically as sharp as, as Lyndon Arthur, but I think what he does have, he's enough to make that not be a problem. We've seen in his last outing, Johnson, what he's about. He'll just come and he'll fight you and he'll fight you and fight you until he drops you and then he'll keep fighting you until he stops you. And it neither cost him in his last fight because he just went all out after that first drop. He dropped his opponent and his opponent caught him square with him two shots and it nearly, very nearly cost him. So I believe that Arthur and Johnson are definitely the top two from the British Isles at 175. That, that fight's got to be made. If Arthur rematches Yard, which I think maybe he, he, he'd be wise to do because Yard's come out with all the excuses about it. Well, not so much Yard. Boxing fans in general just said it was Tunde's fault and, not, and all the rest of it. So let's let Arthur put that one to bed, which I believe he will. I fancied Yard in the first one. I'm not going to hide away from that. I thought Yard would do it. Lyndon Arthur surprised me with how he stuck to his game plan. He was technically sharp. He, he stuck to it He made, and, and he made it work. So... But I don't see Yard ever beating him. Uh, so the, to fight for that number one position in Britain, it's got to be Arthur v Johnson. And I'd, I'd favour Johnson just based on, I think Yard tries to be aggressive, but he's not as good at closing down the distance. He's not as good as getting inside, whereas Johnson's better than Yard. He, he won't let Arthur jab his face off and have no answer for it. Joe Gallagher won't let him fight like that. Johnson will get inside and Johnson will unload. So it's whether Arthur can take them shots. So there's nothing to suggest he can't, but I just think Johnson's ferocious at that weight. And once he gets inside, he doesn't let you get away. So I fancy Callum Johnson, but I fancy Arthur over yard, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, Joshua Buatzi's got something to say about the number one as well. But I don't really. Of course, <laughs> of course he, uh, he needs the opponents to show it, Dave, as we've spoken about on a number of occasions on here. But he's got a good fight coming up against Belotnik, so let's see let's see what he's about in that one. But yeah, I think at the moment you you would have to put these two ahead of him based on based on what uh, what we've seen. Um, obviously, um, Arthur having that that. Good domestic wing, that strong domestic wing, uh, domestic wing over yard, and then obviously Johnson. He's got a few good wins, but also stepping up to fight Bertavieff. I know he lost, but he dropped him, uh, and he made it a bit of a fight for how long it lasted. But he did himself no harm in that fight, and obviously he earned a few fans off the back of it as well. And, and we know how dangerous he can be. And and like you, Dave, I think I would favour him over Arthur. Um, we, we might be completely wrong here, um, <laughs> and, and uh, Arthur could turn around with a 
use his jab like he did against Yard and put on a bit of a masterclass. But yeah, I think Johnson's definitely got the power to hurt him, and and it is a different animal to what to what Anthony Yard is, um, and I think that's been proven. I know Yard when he when he was coming through fighting lesser opponents, he, he looked very dangerous and. We, we didn't really know how good he was going to be until he stepped up and fought Kovalev. And I know he had that round, that eighth round, I think it was, eighth or ninth round, yeah. where, where he nearly had him out of there. But that was more to do with, with Kovalev's age more yeah. than anything. Empty the tank. Empty the tank. Yeah, he gassed himself out. He left no lions in the camp. <laughs> he left all out and, and then and Kovalev was still standing, so... He just didn't have enough that night. And, yeah, of course, then going on to lose to Arthur, he's not done him no good. And, yeah, we say he's, he's, his career is in a very tricky position right now. And he's, he's treading on thin ice going into a possible rematch with Arthur. And, and he needs that. He needs that more than Arthur does, that's for sure. And, that, and that's dangerous when it comes down to situations like that. So, uh, let's see that one first. But, yeah, Arthur against Johnson is a good, good fight um, that I'd like to see in the in the not-too-distant future. But as we know, uh, there are some good fights to be made, partic- particularly on the domestic scene um, at light heavyweight. But they are guys who are looking for title shots as well. So, so let's see what comes of it. But they there weren't much else to shout about on that card. Uh, we had Zach Parko scored an early stoppage. He's ranked number one with the WBO. But I highly doubt. Canelo will hold any fears or, or look to make that sort of fight. So, did anyone else on the card stand out for you or anything stand out for you on that card, Dave? Yeah, I like uh, Dennis McCann. Did a good job, didn't he, over an unorthodox opponent, John Trua. He, he was very, very unorthodox, hands low, lots of upper body movements, sort of seemed to run at times around McCann. But McCann kept composed. Relative novice McCann, so he, he really mature showing. He efficient punch selection. He didn't waste much, and he proved he's got solid power. And he closed Trua down well, and when he did, he hit and and he put him away. So I I, I like McCann on that showing. Uh, Arthur Sharp, Archie Sharp versus Diego Andrade. I think that was more for entertainment purposes rather than the end result or anything. We had another Mexican visitor. And how many times have we said, don't train out Max, uh, Mexican, a Mexican fighter, because you won't do it. But that's exactly what Archie Sharp found himself doing. Yeah, how we didn't get disqualified for that body slam, whatever it was. I'm not big into wrestling, but it, it's something you'd see Hulk Hogan or one of, one of them wrestlers do. I don't know how we got away with it. <laughs> brought back memories of when uh, Prince Nassim did it to Sotov. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Once you lean over the back, we've seen a few fighters do it and they, they don't like it, so they'll lift you up and drop you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's one I think I can picture, actually, the Nassim one. It sticks in my mind. But we see that time and time again. Like when the Klitschko's used to lean on their opponents, sometimes the opponents would drop and all hated it. They dropped, so that Klitschko had to drop and it, it just sort of... I don't know, is it out of frustration or I don't know. But yeah, it was a de- decent enough fight, entertaining fight. But I think McCann putting Truro away was a really good performance. Yeah, I've been impressed with McCann what I've seen so far. So it'd be interested to see him moving up the ranks and to see how he gets on. But Dave, um, Barty Sharp keeps calling out Shakur Stevenson. But l- let me tell you this now, Dave, that fight would not be one for the casual fan, that's for sure. No. Oh. Definitely not. That would be a bit of a to say the least. <laughs> the chess match. <laughs> yeah, with all due respect to both of them, yeah, it wouldn't be the most exciting fight. On <laughs> but on to some boxing news now. Uh, we're a bit late to the party on this one, but Fury and Wilder 3 has been postponed. Uh, we believe until October after Tyson Fury tested positive for COVID. Dave, 
the, uh, the conspiracy theorists are out again. Fury hasn't got COVID. The ticket sales are bad. Jared heard us, uh, Jared Anderson knocked him out in sparring. Uh, and now we've got Bob Aram today claiming that Fury refused to have his second um, second jab, uh, second vac- uh, vaccination jab, as he didn't want to suffer the side effects going into the fight. But Dave, what do you make of it all? Um, is it a genuine case of Fury just testing positive for COVID, or is there something more to it? If it if it wasn't boxing and this fight in particular, you just take it as written that Tyson Fury had, or a boxer had COVID. I know that. Uh, Tiafimo Lopez recently put cancelled their fight with Combasso for the same reason, and I know a few people said, "Oh, it's it's because it's not selling well." But the vast majority of people, there wasn't too much noise pointing at Lopez and his and his apparent COVID nineteen and and suggesting that that wasn't true. But soon as that news broke. He just went like wildfire. This isn't, he hasn't got COVID. That's nonsense. He's pulling out the fight. And obviously, we're not privy to his medical records. We can't say for certain whether he has or he hasn't. But all we can suggest is that it's very convenient that he does have COVID because the ticket sales are on their ass are basically not sold. I don't think there's any part of the arena that's sold out. Now, I remember the last two fights, and it seemed to me to be majority British fans in there. So if you're not getting British fans across there, they're not going to sell as well. I don't believe that. Even when Mayweather was at his prime, I think he had struggles selling out Vegas and stuff like that. So I don't believe that the American fan base is there to fill an arena, but we know when the likes of Ricky Atten went overseas, when Tyson Fury goes overseas, when a big British boxing name goes overseas, they usually take a good following with them. So that's affected numbers. And you look at the undercard that they were suggesting, that was a good undercard. You had a Jagber against Frank Sanchez, uh, Kanalchki in his rematch with Hellenius. There was a, there was a few heavyweight bouts on there, and, and there's, they weren't cheap fights. I'm sure that every one of them fighters would have wanted a decent paycheck. So if there's not even enough money to cover the top of the card then it's lose 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 and one thing that top rank don't want to do at the minute is lose they just can't afford to so it does seem very very convenient as for the rest of the rumors with a sparring knockouts it seems every time Manny Pacquiao goes into camp I don't know how he makes it to fight night because he's knocked out by everybody it, all the, it's just absolute nonsense isn't it the, you know things happen in sparring no doubt Fighters will get rocked in sparring. We've seen it when, I know it weren't Dave Allen's fight, but when Dave Allen went to fight Usyk, spar Usyk for Usyk's fight, he got badly hurt. It does happen in sparring, but I just take that as a, as a pinch of salt. It, it, it's a lot of these Wilder fans, they, they will literally start a fire with anything and just let it spread. As he got COVID, I don't know. They said Joseph Parker was in close proximity to him, proximity to him, and he was seen at the UFC, which he posted on his Instagram, and then he deleted once people started getting onto him. They say Tyson Fury's already flown back when he should have been self isolating. So there's just so many conspiracies. It, I hope the fight goes ahead, but obviously we wanted the Joshua fight. But I like Wilder Fury fights as both fights have been fun fights. They've been good to watch fights, so I don't mind seeing the third fight. But what people are saying now is that the arbitrator said it had to be fought by September. I think it was mid-September. So 
if Top Rank and, and, and Team Fury are talking October due to the busy America, and I think they've got college football, they've got some quite high-profile fights coming up over there, and it just can't compete with those events. You don't want to lose any viewer figures. They're talking October as the next realistic date to get maximum attendance, maximum pay-per-view sales. That's beyond the September arbitrator date. So does that mean that arbitrator ruling's not in in law anymore? Does Takan Tyson Fury just bin the fight off? There's just so many avenues that we could go down that says maybe he doesn't have COVID, maybe there's a backstory, but we can only take it from what we're told by the official sources and and, and accept that he does have COVID, but it does seem very a very convenient time to get COVID, doesn't it? Yeah, Dave, I'm just annoyed that I've got to suffer the shit on Twitter for another <laughs> month, to be honest. It, it could be genuine hell at times. Like, I can't take listening to both Fury and Wilder fanboys for any longer. And, and people will say it's just the Wilder side. It's definitely not. Fury's side is just as bad. Um, and and at, at times you could say even worse. So I was looking forward to this fight just just to end all of that. Um, but it's going to go on. It's going to go on for another few months. But yeah, I just hope it happens in October because there's going to be doubts, as you've just mentioned. There's going to be doubts is even going to happen. But I just hope they get it on in October. And honestly, I don't care who wins, whether it's Wilder, <laughs> whether it's Fury. I, I just can't listen to any of this crap any longer on social media yeah, but it's another to. three months <laughs> it's another three months of it and and we've just got to stick uh we've just got to stick with it but yeah I, I was hoping it would be the end of it after this fight but yeah I, i'm sure the winner uh the winning side is going to have their little bit of fun for a for a, a little bit of time but it should die down after it because I doubt they will see. I doubt we'll see them fight for a fourth time. So I was just hoping it would be the end of it. But yeah, I was looking forward to the actual fight, and we would have been sat here previewing it next week as well. So it's a bit of a shame because that was a big one. Uh, it definitely was a big one. But yeah, hopefully October it does happen, um, and we can really get a move on with this division. I'm still waiting, still waiting for Eddie Hearn to announce that Joshua Rusick fight. I'm getting sick and tired of hearing well, about that one. That's what so. they're saying now that they was waiting. This is another conspiracy theory that, that Matt Trim, Eddie Hearn, Anthony Joshua was waiting to see if Fury could somehow get out of his fight with Wilder. So AJ wouldn't want to go ahead and pen a deal with Yuzik and then miss out on the Fury fight. So he hasn't signed his fight with Yuzik in case Fury's new plan. This is a conspiracy theory. I mean, no way putting any weight to this. This is just what's out there. That if Tyson Fury can avoid this third fight with Wilder, AJ's ready to sign straight away. So that's another another avenue we're going down. But I'm with you. The arguments, the the pettiness on Twitter. I used to comment on a lot of it because obviously, obviously it's a big story in in boxing. So you get drawn into these conversations, but you can't you can't comment at all without if you if you side if you take a side with Fury in one one element of the the argument. You're a, you're a Fury fan. You're a Fury fanboy. If you side with Wilder in another part of the argument, you're a Wilder fan. You cannot win. I've just sort of backed off from everything. I'm like you. Let's get it done. If it means fighting in a field halfway down the bloody M6, do it because I cannot put up with this much much longer. It's just it's it's just overtaking boxing. You're seeing accounts that are boxing accounts and they just massively overloaded with this absolute nonsense it's not even in the ring activity it's out the ring nonsense and it's taking over it needs to stop because there's some good fights coming up that are being drowned out by this noise yeah the division's a little bit on hold at the moment let's be honest so we, we need this we need this joshua fight to be announced let's get that fight 
and and let's get Fury and Wilder in October and then get the winners in. If it, it's Usyk and Wilder, so be it. If it is Fury and, and Joshua, so be it. If it's Joshua and Wilder, who gives a shit, mate? <laughs> let's just get these two biggest fights on and get the two winners in there in an undisputed fight. We've been waiting since 1999 <laughs> and Amanda Holyfield for an undisputed heavyweight champ. So I couldn't give a shit who was fighting in it that day. Just bring it. Let's let's have the undisputed fight. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully these two fights happen and, and then we can get a move on with the division and no other mandatories are thrown in the way and a load of bollocks that's going to put any more of a hold on, on, on this division. But, Dave, let's meet Canelo now. Um, we know he's the price ticket at £168 and seemingly at £175 as well. Um, everyone wants that payday. We know about the Canelo paydays. Um, so... We don't know if this undisputed fight with uh, Caleb Plant will be made. We know the good old network issues are in the way. We know Canelo is a uh, free agent at the moment, but of course he's still working with Hearn. So Hearn's going to want to try and get it on the zone, as you know he would. Um, Plant, fight, uh, Plant fights on Fox, so they're going to want to put that on a Fox pay-per-view. So it's not as simple to make as what we first would have thought uh, with Canelo being a free agent, but... If it was that easy, it would have been made already. So it's kind of dragging on a little bit. But we know we know Al Heyman, he likes to keep his business on the silent. So let's see how it goes because Hearn doesn't. And we know Hearn's involved uh, with Canelo. So he keeps speaking. We've heard today he's talking about Al Heyman wants it to be a free fight deal and so on. But we, we can't really read too much into all that. But we are, we are hearing rumours that if the plant fight doesn't go ahead, then a third fight with Golovkin might just happen. Now... I thought that one was the. Uh, I thought that was completely gone with with Canelo fighting 168 pounds. Now I don't see him going back to 160. So I thought that's the end of that one. I, I would have loved to have seen a Golovkin for a third fight with Golovkin. I can't lie, but I thought it was the end. I thought it was gone. Uh, but yeah, surely if it, if a third fight was going to be made, it would have to be 168. Um, and that clearly favours Canelo even more than it would at 160 against a, an aging Golovkin, as we know. But Dave, if no if no plant fight does materialise, would you be happy with a trilogy fight with Golovkin for Canelo? Yeah, it, it, it's two sides to the coin, isn't there? We, of course, we would have liked it years ago. They're so close, them first two fights. They're still spoke about now. Everybody, you'll see at least one post a day. If you follow enough boxing boxing Twitter pages, you'll see at least one po- fight, fight post a day where they're saying Canelo... Just to say, sorry to cut you off, I've got it in my mentions at the moment. I I, I posted uh, Canelo against Lara yesterday as it was their seven-year anniversary, so to speak, and off the back of that, the amount of the amount of replies that are mentioned in Golovkin and Canelo is, is unreal. It just I try not to have that conversation anymore. I've been open and I've said it many times. I think Golovkin won the first fight. The second fight was, was so close to call. I'm happy with it to go either way, but it's that old argument and it just gets a little bit boring and every time people start it off on Twitter I try and push it away you know what I mean I, I can't be bothered to go down that avenue again yeah you've got to be a seasoned boxing Twitter veteran haven't you because if you're not you will get sucked in these rabbit holes we've all been there you end up arguing with people and everybody's got an opinion you know the old saying and you're never going to get to the bottom of it like you just said there both fights were close I, I can't say 
there was robberies. Yeah, close fight is a close fight. If a judge doesn't score it the same as you, that doesn't mean he's robbed the fighter. That means it was a close fight. It's when it's a wide fight. And I'm like you. I had Golovkin the first time and very similar to you, very close fight the second time. So like, it could have swung either way. I wouldn't be overly mad if it went Golovkin's way. But I think... I don't know. People maybe sympathise with Golovkin a bit more after he'd lost the first when people thought he maybe snuck it. So they sided with him the second time. He was on the, the wrong end of two very t- close decisions. So they sort of favoured him unbiasedly. I don't know. But it, it's still a fight that it, that's worth going down. Uh, I know Andre's calling Golovkin out. But as you mentioned at the beginning of the piece there, why would you fight Andre for pennies? when you can fight Canelo for career-high money, that will be Golovkin's definitely career-high payday, the third fight with Canelo. There's no other bigger fight for Golovkin for me. And at his age, at his experience, at what he's given to boxing, I can't I can't rob that payday of him. I fully congratulate him and go and take that fight. Will it be as competitive as the previous two? I don't think it will be, based on, as you mentioned, Golovkin's aging warrior now he's not what he was he's proving he can still take them shots but just seems to have lost half a yard Canelo just looks unstoppable at the minute it would be at Canelo's suited weight where Golovkin would have to put on eight pounds at his age if he wasn't a 168 fighter already he never will be so he will be fighting out of his division uh, I don't know if how serious they are are they that serious or is this just a, a, a digger plan look we've got options we know that you've got the last trinket that we want at 168, but don't start playing our ball with us because we'll walk away from it and we'll go and fight Golovkin. He's mentioned Baterbiev, he's mentioned Bivol. So is he just putting these options out there? We know, like you've just mentioned, Eddie Hearn likes to talk and it's got him in trouble on more than one occasion, but he does like to, to get himself out there and talk. So is he just using this as an idle threat or is it a legitimate if you don't want to play a ball by the end of this week? Because... On the DAZN podcast show, he said, if this fight isn't done by the end of the week, we can sign a fight in 24 hours. Apparently, these fights are, are ready to go. They're ready for the ink. So is it an idle threat or are they, are they seriously going to look elsewhere? Because we know Canelo's dreams, they were pinned on becoming undisputed at 168. Will he let money and, and TV prevent him from getting getting his dream? Yeah, I just think they're putting names out there, Dave, like you just said. I, I don't think I don't think the third Golovkin fight interests Canelo. Uh, of course it's going to interest Golovkin. Um, and just for that closure alone, I, I'd be open to having that fight and, and seeing Golovkin uh, and Canelo for the trilogy. But, yeah, I, 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 I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I, I think the plant is, plant is the one they want, and they are trying to put all these other names in. I, I don't see Canelo going for Bertabiev next either, so... It, it, for me, if if Plant Canelo didn't happen, I wouldn't be surprised to see Canelo against Bivol. Um, he might see that as an easier fight than than Bertabiev, Although we know Bivol's a top quality fighter, he doesn't he doesn't have that punch power um, that Bertabiev has. And and of course, when it comes down to Canelo, he, he'd be more than confident that he can get a, a decision from the judges. Um, against someone um, like uh, people and so on. It would be a very difficult fight for him. But, yeah, I think that would be more realistic, to be honest. I, I don't see Golovkin, um, Canelo having the third fight for the trilogy. But like I said, I'm not against it. It would be closure for Golovkin. It's been tough for him to take those those two decisions, the draw in the first one and obviously uh, the defeat in the second. But 
If they fought again, yeah, you, you've got to favour Canelo and you've got to favour him to get a clear win this time. I, I don't think it ends in stoppage. We know how tough Golovkin is and I know he's aging and he's slowing down. That's clear. But I still think he's he's, he's strong enough um, and he's got enough pop on him and enough power to, to keep that respect of Canelo. So I, I would have to say if they did go for a third fight, I, I would back Canelo to win a clear decision in that fight. But... Yeah, it's still an exciting fight. Look at the two fights they've had, Dave. That was seriously high-level stuff. We haven't seen many fights that can compete with the level of uh, the level of skill we saw in those two fights with those two. So, yeah, I, I, I would be all for it if it happened. But, yeah, I think I think there's other fights out there that Canelo is going to favour over this one. But, yeah, let's see what comes on to it. But, Dave, on to our £10 to £1,000 challenge. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we've fallen a bit for Dave. We had a double on Lyndon Arthur to win by KO, which he did. But we also had Gilberto Ramirez uh, to win between rounds 7 and 12 or on points. And, of course, he, he stopped Sullivan Barrera in the fourth end. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, Dave, once he went down in the third, that, that was it for me. I, I knew the fight was He got up and showed a little bit of toughness for a short amount of time. But you just knew... That fight was over. So the dream dies. We don't get to the thousand pound. Uh, we're not going to start another one this week. There's just not enough out there. And we'll we'll just have to take our time with it. We'll get there eventually, Dave. We've been unfortunate now on a couple of occasions. We were a few rounds out here. Um, I just we just expected Barrera to put up a little bit more um, of a fight, seeing how tough he has been throughout his career. But it seems that yeah, it's just gone too far for him. So devastating one that, weren't it, Dave? Yeah, that was the banker for me. We started switching ideas at the weekend, didn't we? And and that one never even concerned either of us. That one was in the money in the bag. The the Lyndon Arthur fight was a fight that was like, well, we don't really too know, know too much about his opponent, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Lyndon Arthur gets the job done. And Ramirez more than gets the job done. He jumps the gun and gets it stopped early out of nowhere. <laughs> just, you just can't write it sometimes. But this is this is boxing. You know, the, the human beings at the end of the day, anything can, can happen. We can only look at what's happened before in the careers and, and try and put two and two together. But unfortunately, we don't always get four. We sometimes get five and, you know, and we get it wrong. But the run will get there. It definitely will get there. But some weeks we're, we're scratching around because there's not enough on and, and we're sort of pulling bets from, from fights that we may not be too interested in. I think what, we need a, a few consistent weeks of of big fight cards where there's plenty to look at and, and we can get there. But maybe next turn, like you say, we're not going to bother this week. It's, you, you, you've just done a highway to nowhere this week. So starting next week and we'll just have to hope the luck comes in for us. Yeah, we'll get there eventually, Dave. I'm, I'm confident in that. We'll get there. We'll get there. But on to the big undisputed fight this weekend, Dave. Uh, WBC, WBA and IBF champion Jamel Charlo takes on WBO champion Brian Carlos Castano for the right to become the undisputed champion at 154 pounds. And what a fight this looks to be. Dave, before we preview the actual fight, uh, there's a few things I want to discuss. Firstly, Jamel Charlo. And in terms of pound for pound, He's been a point of discussion for some time now. So, Dave, I've got two questions for you. One, is Jamel Charlo currently in your top 10 pound, uh, pound for pound? And two, if he wins this fight and goes uh, undisputed, where would he sit on your list after that? He's a difficult one to place because he's a unified champion at 154, but his resume is not great, is he? And when we're going 
He's, he's got some fighters on there. Austin Trout, Lubin. He, he avenged that last to Tony Harrison. He looked good against Rosario last time out. So he's definitely got the ability to be a pound-for-pound pound star. But when we're looking at pound-for-pound pound lists, we can't... A certain amount of it is attributed to your resume. Look at Terence Crawford now. M- many people have him in the top three. If you look at his resume at 147, it's not great. But he's still up there based on what he did at 140. Based at his, uh, his career was a bigger picture. So we know that Terence Crawford's got the ability. We know that he, he's proven it time and time again throughout his career, even though recently he's, he, he's not had the big fights. Whereas Charlo, he's proven that he's, he, he's got the ability. He's a good, solid fighter. But he just hasn't done enough. He hasn't achieved enough for me to to sort of break into that top 10. Should he beat Castano at the weekend, which is, I'm looking forward to this fight. I mentioned earlier Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder's drowning the boxing world at the minute. Mute the words Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder on Twitter and get into this fight because this is he's got a, a great fight written all over this. Castano, huge volume puncher. Charlo, we know what Charlo's about. They're both aggressive fighters. I think we're into a winner here. If he becomes undisputed, correct me if I'm wrong, he'll be the only second current undisputed champion with Teofimo Lopez. You've got to take note then, surely. One five four is not. It's not a star-studded division. There's no one in there where you think, or that it, you know, he's he's a great. He's a he's going to be a pound for pound great. But it is a solid enough division. There's still enough contenders down there to make it a fun division. If he becomes undisputed at that division, then you've got to give him his due, surely, and put it put him in that top ten. Dave. Um... Just a quick one, mate. I'm, I'm going to call you Leonard for a second. You forgot Josh Taylor by any chance? Oh yeah, he's <laughs> Scottish though, isn't he? And I've had a, listen. I've had enough grief. I do apologise, Josh Taylor. Of course, he's an undisputed under the flight bar champion. Tiafimo Lopez isn't even the undisputed champion. He's a franchise champion. So I take that completely back. I'm not going to. I'm not going to cut this out of the episode. I'm going to leave it in. And I hold my hands up. It was Josh Taylor. I haven't got my notes on my screen, so I do apologise. But when the likes of Billy Nelson have been sticking it up the English all week, I didn't want to put him out there. Josh Taylor, I do apologise. He is the undisputed champion. Has Josh Taylor got to bring more to the table to be spoken about, yeah? Well, he could come on the show, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) But no, yeah, he will be the second undisputed champion alongside Josh Taylor. Tiafimo Lopez, you're nearly there. Just keep at it. You'll you'll get there, I'm sure. Going back to uh, the questions I just asked you, Dave, it's it's interesting that you, you, you mentioned that Charlo doesn't have a great resume. Um, we're, we're going to speak about the strength in the division of, uh, in a moment, but it's, I think it's quite a strong resume when, when you when you match it up against a lot of fighters of today where they're not fighting the best in their division. Um, you might not think £154 is strong in terms of quality, which I'm going to ask you in a moment anyway, but to have beaten the likes of um, Harrison, to have beaten the likes of Lubin, Rosario, all of these guys who have been champions... Uh, other than Lubin, of course, who, who, who could well be a champion if he doesn't have to face Charlo again. But um, all of these guys, uh, uh, top guys at 154 pounds, and he's beaten them. And, and if you go through some of the other divisions, of course, we've seen Josh Taylor. He's just beaten all the best in his division. Um, but you look at some of the other divisions where the best are not fighting the best. But some of those guys are on the pound-for-pound list, and they haven't fought the best in their current division. So like you said about Crawford, he's fought, the, uh, he's fought the best when he was at 140 and people said that wasn't a very strong division. So 
you can kind of see the argument there. But I, I've got I've got Jamel creeping in at the bottom half um, of, of the top ten. I, I can see him squeezing in at number ten or number nine. But I think if he does go undisputed, I think you can move him up a couple of places. It's hard because there are some real top fighters in there. But I, I, I can't argue with him being being in the top ten personally. But Dave, we're going to speak about 154 pounds now, and it. It is such a competitive division. We know that. We, we've seen championship fights involving the likes of Jamel Charlo, Harrison, Hurd, Williams. Uh, but some, like you might do here, Dave, some question the actual quality in the division. Now, we have seen the best fighting the best, but are the best really that good? Um, it's a very exciting division, Dave. But what's your thoughts on the quality of the 154-pound division? Yeah, I think it, it, they are fun fights because they are quite easily matched aren't they there's no standout obviously if he becomes undisputed then he's, he's the undisputed champion he's a man of the division but skill set wise there is a lot that are very very similar skill set there's no major star you look at 168 you got Canelo you got Lopez who's arguably at 135 usually a division has a massive star who's you know, much better than the other fighters around him and then he's got the up and coming the, uh, and the contenders around him but you always expect that star to win whereas it, 154, like this mix of talent isn't great. Look at Tim Tazu, he won against Spark midweek. He's up there, ranked number one with the WBR, but how you rank number one, you've not got a great resume. He's not even fought outside of Australia yet, has he? You got Leon Smith, who lost in his last out, and he's still up there. So I don't think there's a massive, massive pool of talent there. There's obviously Fundora, he's he's a future all time great. He's going to be brilliant, but. I just don't think there's enough there. And maybe I'm just looking at it, it, it wrong through sort of biased biased eyes, but I don't rate that division as highly as I rate sort of 160, where you've got three great champions there, you've got 168 with Canelo taking over. I just don't rate it like that. It's a fun division, but I don't think there's a there's a future Hall of Fame star. I don't think that Charlo obviously has the potential to be if he comes undisputed, but I think he'd have to leave that division in order to really solidify an all-time great or a future Hall of Fame. Well, he, may, he probably will get in the Hall of Fame if you're undisputed, but one that people are going to look back at and think, oh, yeah, he was a really great fighter. I think he has to look elsewhere to get bigger names because... There's just not the names there. Lara's still still hanging about the top. Jarrett Hurd's still up there. I don't know. It's just, maybe it's just me, but I don't see it as a massively talent-rich division. I really don't. Yeah, I, I kind of see it both sides of it, Dave. I'm, I'm, agree, I'm going to agree with you on certain parts there. Like, like I said before, it's an exciting division. We've seen top fights. We've seen the best fight in the best um, in the division, and we don't get that in, in too many divisions. Obviously, it helps where... They're all with PBC, so they've got control of that division. So they're willing, of course, we know they're willing to back their in-house fights. And we've seen guys like Jarrett Hurd and, and uh, Jason Rosario, um, who skill-wise, you would say they're not, they're not the most technical boxers. They're not the best boxers in the world. And, and maybe they've become champions based on based on their their physicality and their size. That, that certainly helped. But when they've come up against uh, better quality guys, particularly uh, Rosario coming up against Jamel Charlo, we see the difference in quality. And I think Jamel Charlo, I do think he is the best in that division. Um, and, and he's proved that by beating the guys. He, he lost the fight, the first fight, the fight against Harrison. I, I, I thought that was a bit harsh, but I, I'm not going to argue with the decision. It was a close fight, but he's come back 
And he's won that fight in emphatic fashion. And he, he's he's made sure it didn't have to go to the judges that time around because Harrison was doing well in that fight again. But, uh, yeah, he, he seems to have found that, that killer instinct now, now, Charlo. So, I don't know. It, it's, it's a very competitive division. It's definitely one of the most competitive divisions in, in world boxing. But skill-wise, yeah, it's not right up there. But 160, you mentioned 160. Dave, 160 doesn't have anywhere near the competitiveness that 154 pound does because then none of them are fighting each other, which is horrible to see. So hopefully we do start to see that at 160 pounds. But yeah, at the moment, 154 pounds is certainly one of the most competitive and exciting divisions, even if it is not the most uh, quality in terms of skill and so on. But as for the undisputed fight itself, Dave, uh, it promises to be a good one, as we've mentioned. And as I've just said, um, Charlo, we know what he brings. He, he's a good technical boxer. And like I said, he's found that killer instinct now. Um, he, he's got a good jab. He doesn't waste his punches. But Castano, he's, he's got a fan-friendly style. He loves to come forward. He's beating the likes of Derek Yunchenko and Spence in the amateurs. He's, he's aggressive. He's got bags of energy. And he's definitely a real-life dog in this fight. Dave, without giving your prediction away, how do you see this fight? It's going to ebb and flow. It's going to go back and forth. I don't see either man being dominant throughout the fight from start to finish. I can't see that happening. The both aggressive fighters, they want, like you just mentioned there, Charlo is efficient with his punches. Castano goes for punch output. He has a solid punch output. So it's going to be a very, very interesting fight, which it's not a walkover for either man. I think it's a very tough fight for both men, and I think they'll have a massive amount of respect for each other when when that final bell rings, whether it's by stoppage or by points, they will know that each of them will know that they've been in a, a solid fight. Yeah, and I can't wait for it, Dave, I'm being honest. Um, the only problem in at the moment, uh, the only problem is at the moment, Dave, there, there's no UK broadcaster. Um, I'm hoping our good friends at Fight TV Yeah, they'll save us, us again, yeah. won't they? Fight TV, you do it every time. They, they, they're the saviors. Yeah, of... let, let's hope. Let's hope they can save us for this one day because it'll be a big shame uh, if we can't watch this. I, I don't want to be watching this on a low-quality stream. It's just too good for that. It's an undisputed fight. They've gone out there, they've picked up the Taylor Ramirez fight, they've picked up the Donair Rubali fight, they've picked up the Tank Davis and Barrios fight in recent weeks. So come on, Fight TV, let's get Charlo and Castano um, on there as well because us UK fans do not want to be missing out on a fight like this, that's for sure. See, when they picked up those fights you just mentioned there, they always seem to pick them up late, don't they? So I wonder yep. if that's obviously a positive thing because there's still time, yeah? It, you know, Don't put it past them picking it up at this late stage. But maybe it's, it's a bidding thing. Maybe fight yeah. TV aren't going in too high because they're still dipping the toe. They're in a solid channel, but they, they don't want to waste too much money. They tried selling, what was it their matchroom card over in America? Uh, you know, I don't think they're all going to work for them. <laughs> One, yeah, yeah, was it the BT, BT one? one? That's right. Yeah, so you know, I wouldn't have paid for that certainly, but this, <laughs> I have no quarrels with paying for this fight. It's going to be a great fight. Yeah, I think they've got. They must have this little tactic at the moment because they do leave a few of them late, and I, I'm all for it. I don't care if they pick it up one day before a fight. As long as they're picking it up, I couldn't care less. But yeah, they they must be waiting, seeing that other broadcasters are not going to pick them up, and they're jumping in last minute. They could probably get a, a better deal for themselves. So hopefully they can do it for this one. I, I think the the the, the near one they picked up two or three days before, similar to Tank Davis and Barrios as well. So, yeah, I've still got my fingers crossed on this one. Well, we Tuesday now. 
Yeah, so ho hopefully, hopefully, uh, within the next few days that we could see a bit of movement on that because it's going to be a massive shame if this fight's not on uh, UK TV. But I'll find a way to watch it. It's just not the same when you haven't got that that quality there. But Dave, we're going to finish the show with our predictions, and uh, as we know, there's not much to go on this week. But uh, last week I took a three-point lead in the new uh, competition as Jojo Diaz outpointed Fortuna. So. We're going to have to add some bonus points in here today. Uh, Dave said as we're only game with the one fight. So regardless of what um, regardless of what your prediction is, we're going to pick a round for a KO. Uh, so if it does happen to, to, to end in a certain round, then there will be a couple of bonus points added, added to our score. So Dave, the big fight, Charlo against Castano. What's your prediction? And going far, baby Charlo. Unanimous decision, or maybe even split decision. I see a very, very, very close fight. It's going to be one of those fights. What do you favour? Do you favour the aggressor with the high punch output? Do you, do you favour the cleaner, cleaner landed shots? I think Charlo's going to take it. It's going to be close. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if there's a rematch because where do either of these fighters go after this if they don't move? So I think we're in for a very good fight, a very good close fight that Charlo narrowly wins. Yeah, agreed, Dave. I, I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. I think the two styles are going to come together uh, and it, yeah, it's going to be a lot of action in this fight. There is going to be moments where Castano is right in there and, and he's putting putting Charlo under pressure and there's going to be moments where, where Charlo is landing those big straight hand, uh, those big straight shots and he's, he, he could well hurt him in this fight. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Charlo put him down, but I think Castano's a tough boy. Um, I think it's going to go the distance. And, yeah, I see it being close, but not close enough for me. I, I think that Charlo's just been out enough. I think he, he's, his boxing ability will get him through. And I know I know he is dangerous, uh, and he will look for the KO if he can get it. But I think, yeah, I think Janelle's going to be f quite smart in this fight. Um, yeah, and we know what Castano's about. We know what he's going to do. But, yeah, it'll be a fun fight. But Jamel Charlo to, to, to get the decision on points, so... We've matched up there, Dave, so um, we're going to have to pick a round just in case there is a KO. So if there was a KO, what round are you going to go with, Dave? I fancy a late one for Charlo, like he did Harrison in the rematch. I'll go 10. Yeah, I'm going to go around nine. So we're, we're pretty much similar there. So, yeah, if it does go for a KO and, and Charlo finishes it in 10, Dave will get an extra two points on top. And and if if it goes in nine, I'll get an extra two points on top. But, of course, if, it, if there's no KO... Or there's there's uh, or Castano wins, then then neither of us will, will get the points on there. But can't wait for it. Um, like I said, hopefully Fight TV picked that up. But Dave, that's a wrap. Any final words? Yeah, apologies again to Josh Taylor. You you are very much <laughs> the undisputed one hundred and forty pound champion, and it was very well deserved. And you smashed Tank at that weight as well, just to put that in there. Uh, yeah, hopefully Fight TV picked this fight up because we're in for a we're in for a hell of a fight. Everyone get involved now, get excited for it. Go back. I've been watching Castano this week because I knew a lot about Charlo. Didn't know as much about Castano, so I thought I'd watch and knew the prediction. Obviously, it wasn't uh, rocket science to decide which fight we was going to use under the prediction, so it was obviously going to be Charlo Castano. And Castano is a good fighter to watch as well, so Charlo's got his work cut out. It's going to be a hell of a fight. Come on, Fight TV, pick this one up. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Well, thanks for listening all. I hope you enjoyed the show. Enjoy the weekend and take care.